Welcome to episode 168 of Crack the Customer Code. Thanks to Audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Get your free audiobook and a 30-day free trial as a listener to this podcast by visiting audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with the customer engagement evangelist, Adam Toporek. When I say a title like that, I feel like you should walk out on stage like Elvis with a cape. <laughs> <laughs> Late stage Elvis or early stage Elvis? Uh, <laughs> when did he wear capes? Sh- I don't know. Sh- shooting the TV Elvis or? <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas. Yeah, like, you, you know, pizzazz. you. you Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could do that. I could pull it off. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm sure. And, and you know what? We've got that's a nice segue to our guest who is actually from Nashville. Wow. We are getting really good at these segues, I have to say. <laughs> that was that was very cool. Thank yes. you. Thank you very much. Although uh, Elvis was from Memphis, but whatever. Um. <laughs> I got the t- Tennessee was the point. You know, I do the segue. I lay it up for you. And what happens? Oh, the ball, the just, ball just flies right out of your hands. <laughs> Air ball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when you call a, you know, company to get help, and you picture the people on the other end of that call, what do you picture, Adam? A dartboard. A dartboard. That's <laughs> what I want to. Their face, like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's what most people picture. I usually, well, you know. I come from this business, not call centers per se, but customer service. Mm-hmm. So I'm very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm always rooting for the person and hopeful and optimistic going in. And I allow them the ability to give me a good experience. I don't start <laughs> off even sometimes, you know, when I'm like on transfer number seven, I've, I'm just done. I've had right. it, you know, I'm, I'm human. But yeah, I mean, it, I try to always set them up. And, and I've found that you can get a lot better service by, oh my God, being nice. I know it's crazy. It's just it's unbelievable. Crazy. People are like, "God, this and I'm like, "Well, yeah, I don't imagine she would have been very accommodating <laughs> since you started the conversation with me describing it yelling." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because in a world of, you know, for help press 1 and all the IVR technology and all that stuff, the people who have to help us when we call or when we chat or when we send an email, those customer service reps, they have tall orders these days. Everything's a little more complex and complicated than it was back in the day. And the expectations are higher. And every, to your point, like a lot of people's fuses are shorter. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's really important to look at that service center experience. And that's why we're so excited about our guest today, because this is his bailiwick. And he had so many unique and great ways to discuss engagement and all sorts of fun things around how to really make a service center that works so that it works better for customers. You know, that is our guest, Nate Brown. And do you want to know a little fun fact about Nate Brown? I would love to know a little fun fact about Nate Brown. He lives in Tennessee and he's connected to Elvis (laughs) that way. Oh. (laughs) All right. Well, this is actually a wonderful episode. You would think this is a dry topic, but Nate brings an incredible energy, enthusiasm, passion, and a lot of knowledge. You really uh, mm-hmm. broke down some of the things they do differently. So let me introduce you to Nate. And let's get rolling. 
Nate Brown has had an outstanding day when he is able to help customers. He is on a quest to improve the agent experience and the customer experience through creativity, knowledge, and hard work. Nate is an HDI Certified Support Center Manager, VP of Communication for the HDI Music City Chapter, and a well-known speaker in both the ICMI and HDI communities. He is also the founder and primary author for the customer service and leadership blog, CustomerCentricSupport.com. Hey, Nate, how are you today? Good. Hello, Adam. Great. We're so happy that you could join us. Thanks for being with us, Nate. You. And, you know, Nate, you and I were talking online a little bit, and your focus is really service center and how to really deliver a superior experience. And I love that you even have a service mission at the end of your emails. I noticed that. And I think a lot of people think of service center agents and they might think sad things about them. <laughs> and there's, yeah. there are like bad stereotypes out there and there are bad images. So what do you want our audience to know about agents in general? Yeah, I think the, the customer service representative job or the, the agent role is such an important job. I mean, it's such a critical thing in the organization. And one of the things I really think about, if, if you look at all the different roles and functions, there is nobody in the organization that is closer to the customer and to the products and services of the business. I mean, it's amazing the opportunity to really represent the brand and be the voice of the business to the customers. There's nobody that gets to do that like, like customer service does. I mean, it's a pretty cool thing what we get to do in our role. And if, if it's a sad place, that, I mean, that's a cultural thing, and that ultimately stems back to leadership. And I really think about you've got your, your call center versus your service center. Mm-hmm. And if you think about things in, in a call center, like a traditional call center mentality, where it's just super transactional, you're chained to a headset, there's so little variety in the job, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and we can ultimately create an environment that's very engaging, very fun. And if, if you create a team of people that you enjoy working with, it makes all the difference. And so how do you define that, that difference between call center versus service center? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, when I, when I look at it culturally, it, it's, the call center is, is going to be the situation in which you are staring at technology, you're on your phone 98% of the day, and it's all about adherence to schedule and, and these metrics that we've kind of put onto the call center culture uh, versus a service center that's going to be a lot more, hey, you're here to help the customer, and you have autonomy. You have the ability to take whatever course and leverage whatever resources are around you to accomplish that objective. Excellent. And I like that because it's a shift in mindset you know, as much as execution, right? It's how you view the call center and in the type of culture you try to give to the team. So one of the questions I would have then is what performance metrics or not even metrics, but what performance measures are you using? Because we talk often about, and I think you sort of alluded to it, some of the traditional call center metrics mm-hmm. can have unintended consequences, right? And, sure. and that aren't to the benefit of the customer. So from that standpoint, from a management standpoint, a measuring standpoint, what are you doing different in a service center via, via, uh, versus excuse me, a call center? Yeah. So one metric that we really pride ourselves on and that we really focus on is going to be the customer effort score. 
is we really feel like when we look at customers and the statements that they give us back, both verbally and through surveys, they say, thank you for making this resolution quick and easy for me. I mean, you mm-hmm. valued my time. And it seems like, especially when we're looking at in our world, we're supporting software. And we're not engaging on the front line with the person that signed the contract. We're engaging with somebody that's using the tool to make their job better and easier. So if they're having a problem with it and they can call our service desk and get somebody right away that knows the answer and has them going quickly and is able to circumvent that problem, then they were just awarded with unexpected time. And so that that seems to be a huge loyalty driver, and we've done a lot of research with our uh, Black Belt team at UL to confirm that, in fact, yes, uh, the customer effort score is a great depiction of loyalty and overall spend for a customer. So, So that's one of the metrics we focus on. I like one of the things you said there about, I mean, I like it all, let's face it. (laughs) Um, But uh, I like what you said about certain words, because one of the things that I see sometimes is that we, we focus so much on those numbers that we don't hear what customers are really saying about why it was a good experience. And you're saying like the value of time given back, essentially. and. Right hearing words like easy and things like that. So I'm just curious, what are some of the other cues that you hear that let you know whether this really went well and they feel good and they're going to be loyal versus the ones who, yeah, they may have had a resolution, but it's not, it's not, you know, reducing the effort as much or anything like that. Are there any things that you listen for? Yeah. I mean, it's really about putting intelligence at the right place. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we should be able to, we deal with these customers in the same technology and they deal with the same type of issues enough to where we can try to be proactive and if they're going to experience an issue or there's some likelihood of them experiencing an issue then we have the ability to guide them to the best resolution path as matt dixon would say in the effortless experience instead of just offering every channel out there if it's going to be a high complex issue then we shouldn't be engaging with them over social media because that's just it's absolutely going to result in a channel switch and additional effort for the customer. Mm. So if we can anticipate the problem and bring them to the most intelligent resolution path quickly and easily, that that's one way we do it. Another one is going to be it's the rep just having the mentality of next issue avoidance. I mean, if somebody's calling in with a problem, you, you've got. And, and you guys have experienced this. I, I experience it, unfortunately, too often just as a consumer where you have a rep that's like, okay, try this and let me know if it works or not. It's like that try this mentality or it's like, okay, you asked this question. I gave you this exact answer. Goodbye. Yep. Versus you have the rep that's like, okay, here's your problem. Here's why you've experienced that problem. We, we've addressed this. We've gotten a resolution to that. What you may see in two weeks <laughs> is that when you have a server cycle or you get a Windows update or something like that, you might experience this, and here's how you're going to resolve it at that time. I'm going to follow up with an email to you with a self-service article that's going to help you to resolve it then without you having to call us. Mm. And that type of proactive support, that mentality, is a total game changer in our industry. Yes, it is. And you don't ask if it's plugged in every time. Something. Somebody 
Ironically, we do have to do that occasionally because we yes, support signature pad devices. We're in healthcare, <laughs> and so we do have to say, well, you need to plug that uh, unplug it and plug it back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when they say, did you reboot? The, now we're going to reboot the cable box. I'm like, I already did that. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> let's, 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 yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's go to step two. I already uh, tried that yeah. one. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, I love that book, The Effortless Experience. Actually, uh, just a heads up for you. I've got some interviews with Matt Dixon from when it came nice. out on my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, great stuff. And I'm, I'm a big fan of hassle-free, effortless. But I want to switch uh, – Switch topics a little bit and work backwards. We're talking about the customer effort and the customer's experience, but you mentioned engagement before. And I think when you talk about a service center versus a call center, we all have these ideas of you know, call centers being, okay, Agent 97, here's call 382, <laughs> right? Nice. And it's just this drudging hamster wheel of yeah. you know monotony and pain, and engagement is very hard to come by. So what are you doing to keep... Uh, agents engage obviously i think some of your solutions is probably doing it by its very nature by being customer focused but what other types of things are you doing yeah i think this is a great question i, I think this really is when, when i think of a service leader i think this is the question that we should ask ourselves every day is what are we doing to engage our people and instead of getting into metric soup Instead of getting ultra technical or into the actual science behind the service, I mean, we've got operations for that. We've got the front line that does a lot of the service leader should be talking about what can I do to make the very best employee experience to ultimately result in the best customer experience. I've, I've certainly not got this figured out, but what I do is really focus on the relationship aspect of, of the people that are here. And that's not just me to them. I really try to create an environment in which they're connecting with each other. Because I think you guys have probably seen the Gallup Q12 survey. When we talk about employee engagement, it's kind of like the benchmark survey that's out there, right? Mm -hmm. And they got that one kind of weird question that says, do you have a best friend at work? And you read <laughs> that question, you're like, why is this in a professional survey? And the more you think about that, though, and the more you look at the metrics surrounding that, the, the quality relationships that people have with each other in a team environment like this, that has more impact on their ability to do a good job and to stay in that job than anything else. Compensation, than the actual work itself, than even, even the ability to learn and train. I mean, it's, they are there because they're there for each other. And, and I really try to create an environment in which they're engaging with each other collaboratively on a professional level. But the only way you're really going to get that is to help them to be social and to allow them to be authentic and show themselves by getting out of the walls and the confines of your office and sharing life together as much as you reasonably can. There's always going to be time and expense constraints on that, but like we just do simple stuff. I mean, we have a karaoke night this week. We're just going to go out, just laugh, enjoy some beverages together, and just, just be in each other's company outside of the problems and hurdles of this office, because if all you see somebody as is a coworker, then they're going to be an obstacle to you. They're going to be a barrier for you, and they're not going to be a friend. So how do you change that dynamic? I love that. I love that so much. I want to like draw a big heart around your answer. <laughs> um, Regina's going to put it on a pillow. <laughs> I am. I'm going to embroider it. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> but I think one of the things that that made me think of, I actually uh, managed some. Uh, call centers back then, frankly, uh, out of right, right out of college for fundraising. So it was a, it was a slightly different thing. But 
one of the things we found was that um, it was in Las Vegas and there are a lot of senior citizens out there. Yeah. And we would bring them in and they loved the community aspect of it, of finding people um, who were like minded. Uh, it was for you know, organizations and funds that they believed in. So that was a big part of it too. But we found that we really tapped into something by bringing them together simply because they were so warm and caring on the phones, but they were so warm and caring with each other. And I had like 18 extra grandmas by the time I left that (laughs) job. That's amazing. I love it. It was awesome. It really was. And that just makes me smile thinking about it. And I love what you what you say there about engagement. And another thing I know you're passionate about is gamification as part of engagement. And so I know, like, we love this term gamification, but what does it really mean for you in this circumstance? And how can others really use it? Yeah, total buzzword, right? Because it, it means something different to every single person you talk to. The best definition I've run into is from Bunchball. I think it's Amy, one of their authors. She talks about how it's just simply using game mechanics of any kind to motivate people to high-value behaviors. Nice. So in, in our world, we actually don't even use – really, in, in Monica um, Cornetti, I don't know. Are you, do you know Monica at all? Uh, gamification guru of the world. (laughs) (laughs) She's fantastic. You guys definitely need to have her on the show at some point. But she really helped me last year at the HDI conference to understand there's really two buckets in which game mechanics exist. You've got low-tech and you've got high-tech. And so many service leaders, they're like, oh, well, you know, gamification is what I just read in Harvard Magazine that we need to do to engage our people. I'm going to go buy a piece of software. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, no, red flag, giant X. That's that's the worst thing you could possibly do is to try and throw money at this problem, and especially with this one. Because what gamification really is about is just being creative to figure out how you can have people have fun, enjoy each other, enjoy the work experience so that they want to be there. And, and you, you add some variety and you create a different narrative around the job. So we use mostly low-tech. We do some high-tech gamification around electronic prize wheels and some other things and some badging system with some of our learning. But really, I mean, that's, that's kind of traditional gamification that you can purchase off a shelf. Um, but what we really try to do is more of the low-tech gamification where it's just getting people out of their day-to-day zone, their rut that they might be in, and add some variety. Example. So we did recently a, a, like a dinner party slash murder mystery dinner, and we gave everybody their character prior to the event. So like for a week before we actually went and did dinner together, people are like getting in their character and starting to talk trash a little bit and try and figure out who the murder is going to be, which makes work so much more fun. I mean at that yeah. point, you're not call center agent. You're Johnny Rocket, the potential <laughs> killer, and like everybody's having a good time. Wow. I bet you found out who your method actors were. Yeah. (laughs) Not everybody's comfortable with that, but it surprises you the ones that start to, over time, they're like, oh, you know, this this actually is fun, and I can start to show my true self at work. Mm -hmm. I love that example. And there's a great TEDx talk. I'll put it in our show notes. I discovered it a couple years ago where I can't remember who right now, but I'll I'll put it in there. Uh, This Um, game designer, this woman, was diagnosed with a pretty serious disease, and she decided that she was going to approach her recovery like a game designer. Oh, wow. And so, like, 
identifying the villain, you know, and then figuring out the superheroes, which included her family. And it was really, it's, it's a really cool idea of how to approach something so daunting and how, you know, that, that works not just in a team aspect, but also the mindset I, idea of it and how it can shift you to this more positive, optimistic place. So that's amazing. That's, what a great yeah. example. That yeah, is a that, great example. So yeah, I'll make sure to look that up and give her credit. Cause that was I liked finding that one. But. I think there's one other big point around gamification that a lot of people miss, and that's is as soon as you start talking about gamification, you think about leaderboards and you think mm. about competition, which is so contrary to what I have found in a customer service environment is the key. I mean, really collaboration is the key and building team dynamic that's edifying, that's positive, where they're admonishing each other, they're helping each other. You're working together towards common goal. And if you're creating a, a competitive-natured gamification culture, you will undermine everything. That's, that's a very good point. That's a great point. It's also an interesting point hearing it come from this, uh, this environment because this is the environment yeah. we associate with. You're locked in your cubicle. You've got your headset on. You're as isolated as can be. Right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not a team sport as, as it is practiced in most of the world. <laughs> yeah, cause, right. And it's, yeah. it's great that you're innovating and engaging your employees like that and bringing a different form of culture to something that you know, has been basically a sort of a customer service black hole for many years. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know you're what? doing great stuff. I will say Thank one you. thing. I, 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 you're doing great stuff, and it's really refreshing. i got to say, Nate, I know you must have a younger staff because everybody my age knows it's always Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> that is who did it. True. <laughs> so true. That's hilarious. Uh, but hey, we appreciate you being on. This has been absolutely fascinating. Great stuff. And let people know where they can find you, please. Yeah, I absolutely will. Thank you guys so much. So where can people find you online if they want to get to know oh, you Oh, sorry. <laughs> Totally missed the question there. Uh, so I, I've got a blog. It's, it's www.customercentricsupport.com. And then my hashtag on Twitter is at customerisfirst and would love to connect with you out there. That's fantastic. And we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes as always. So, Nate, this was great. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us. And thank you for all you're doing for the people of the service centers and the people they serve because it's really oh. important. Right back at you guys. Really appreciate the great content you guys create for us. Well, thank you, Dan. Take care. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye. We hope you enjoyed episode 168 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Very authoritative. I tried to do it like the movie announcer guy (laughs) at crackthecustomercode.com. And we love your reviews. I think we say this every time because it's true. We love your ratings and reviews on iTunes. I'm Jeannie Walters. Stay current on the latest customer experience trends and insights and sign up for free newsletters and webinars at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.